0: Grace and Peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to praying about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think about race and racism in a way that is biblical and clear, hopeful, and helpful. You can learn more about our work at You We Pray dot com that's the letter u w e p r a y dot com uh i'm one of the hosts isaac adams uh normally austin does all this part normally you hear austin's smooth velvet radio voice on the show uh you won't hear that on this episode unfortunately even though he is sitting right next to me looking like his smooth velvet self but speaking of smooth operators i have another person in the room uh with me my friend brother fellow pastor fellow alabama pastor Sean DeMar. I don't know what to do with my hands. Are we on video? <laughs> no video, but this is always the most awkward part. It, of always, it is. The introduction. Like, the, like, do you do the like, hey, thanks yeah. for having me.
1: Do like I put on my, my silky smooth Barry White voice? Oh man, if only. Mm. Or do I just talk normal?
0: Uh, oh, let's go with normal. For yeah,
1: normal. normal. Hey man, I'm super glad to be on this podcast. Oh, yeah,
0: well, and. What's encouraging me is actually you. I know you mean that, bro. Yeah, so it's that's great. Right. To have. Yeah, Sean's the pastor of Sixth Avenue Community Church in Decatur, Decatur, Alabama. Decatur, Alabama, right outside Huntsville. I've preached for him. I'm really grateful for this brother, Sean. We're gonna hop right in, begin with some scripture and prayer, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about some things. Psalm 133. I read it in my quiet time uh, this morning, and it's just so good and so accurate. So we're on unity. We're gonna read it then I'm going to pray for us. A song of ascents of David. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Let's pray father your word says it is a blessed thing when we dwell together in unity uh lord your word speaks about what happens when unity is overflowing like that oil dripping off aaron's beard lord we pray that uh this conversation would lead to the overflowing of unity of clarity of charity of mercy and help we pray in jesus name amen Sean, we're going to begin with some true or false, brother. All right, let's do it. Here we go. Here we go. True or false. You are a ninja. True. Explain. Well, see, I can't. It's, so you do jujitsu?
1: I do, yeah.
0: If we got a physical altercation, you would win. Yeah. Humble of you to say yes, because it, it is accurate, but thank you. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so does that make you a ninja? No, I'm a ninja for other reasons that I can't talk about on this podcast. Oh, as a real ninja would true or false. Your drink of choice is Mountain Dew false. What is it? Diet Mountain Dew, <laughs> bro. Who
1: did your research for you? Austin do this? Did you do this research? that healthy. Come on, man.
0: True or false. You only have clothes with your podcast name <laughs> on it.
1: It's so close to true. I'll just go ahead and say it.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. don't. I've never not seen you.
1: No, you have. No, we were members of the same church together before I've, I had the podcast.
0: I've. In my memory, yeah. I have never okay. not
1: seen All you. All right. Well, I will accept that qualified statement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, you, what can I say? We have the best fans in the world, bro. They just send us
0: tons of free shirts. I, listen, if listen, if you want, we have one United We Pray shirt that's dope yeah. that people can get. But if you want swag upon swag, if you want stickers, if you want socks, if you want not stocking stuffers, but a stocking, a defending confirmed stocking.
1: Yeah. You guys have that. We don't. <laughs> well, we, I, i'm pretty sure we don't even have shirts for sale anymore well yeah because you wear them all uh, honestly there's a missionary in mexico who made them for us and any shirts that we did sell he just got the profits from it and we just love him and trust him so i don't even know what's happening with that you should just go see if you if you if you're a fan of defending confirm go google it and see if you can still buy a shirt other than that i don't know
0: Defend and confirm uh, Sean's podcast where he does a lot of good work. Hey, thanks for doing that, man. Just like we planned. There we go. You can pay me later, Sean. More seriously, what ethnicity are you? You know, I I've don't wondered know. this for a while. Yeah, honestly. I don't know.
1: I grew up thinking I was half white, half Argentinian. Okay, but then uh, through a very days of our lives kind of situation, like how the world turned soap opera thing. Yeah, I, I met my father, who okay. turned out to not be my father. And he has given me an indication of who else could be my father. And he says it could be some Mexican dude in LA. Okay. That's just, that's maybe half Mexican. So I'm maybe half Mexican. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that I'm kind of racially ambiguous and I can just, when I'm in Peru, people can look at me and think I'm Peruvian. If I'm in Hawaii, they're going to say mahalo.
0: Well, you are, you're perfect for like commercials in that sense. Okay. So you mentioned Peru a second ago. You spent time overseas. You went to Peru. That was going to be one of my questions, but you answered that. How long were you there? Uh, Almost four years. And you were doing missionary work. Yeah. Did that experience, so you speak Spanish fluently. Uh, Although I feel like I'm losing it these days. Sure. Did that experience just cross-culturally, how did that shape how you viewed disagreeing with other brothers and sisters, if it did? Well, I think
1: anytime you move beyond like the parochial lens and mm-hmm. you can just kind of get outside of your bubble Mm -hmm. it's going to shape the way that you view the world and the way that you agree with people and the way that you disagree with people I mean it certainly shaped my thoughts about race and racism Mm -hmm. in ways that uh, would be more amenable maybe to people on both sides of the race argument right now it just depends Mm -hmm. on what the thing is that we happen to be talking about I Mm -hmm. saw and experienced things down there in relation to racism that would seem to be more in line with brothers and sisters to my left in the Mm -hmm. way that they think about race Mm -hmm. but I also saw and experienced things that people on my right could point to and use as kind of fodder for their arguments. Mm. So I don't know that I've ever really sat down and disentangled how it has influenced me, but I'm sure that it has.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I I guess I skipped over a lot of life. You grew up where?
1: Uh, Born and raised in LA, raised back and forth between Los Angeles and San Diego, moved to Alabama. Me and my family were homeless for a little while, and then we moved to Alabama to get off the streets. And then I moved away when I was 19 and I joined the army. So I grew up in a family of drug addicts and alcoholics, uh, and that's everyone in my family tree that I know of. And then uh, I got caught up in that life as a teenager. I spent most of my teenage years incarcerated or institutionalized uh, in one way or another. Every time uh, I thought... Every time somebody came along with the solution, it only seemed to make things worse. Mm -hmm. So you need this medication, you need to be... You need to go to this boot camp, you need Mm -hmm. to go see this psychiatrist. And it almost seemed like it was just water on the grease fire of my sin Mm. and uh yeah by the time the lord saved me i was facing 20 years in prison for for robbery i had burned every bridge in my life ruined every relationship i was a a womanizer a drug Mm. dealer a drug doer Mm. and uh and a a failed uh suicide attempter and uh then the lord saved me man and haven't been the same since
0: praise the lord brother praise the lord Um, Okay, so that's who Sean DeMars is. And then just added one thing I forgot from your bio that is true about you. Writer, author, written a couple books. Uh, Your latest on the prosperity gospel.
1: Yeah, uh, Health, Wealth, and the Real Gospel, written by myself and Mike McKinley, because I had the experience and kind of the fodder. Mike McKinley is actually smart and knows how to write a book. (laughs) So we had to
0: team up. I and get do it. that I get yeah it. it's kind of like austin and me except i just usually take all the credit for the <laughs> right.
1: stuff it's, you're yeah. the looks and the brains and austin is just here <laughs> that's right yeah.
0: when austin is the real machine here okay um i mean because you 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 put it out there i am kind of curious about your experiences in Peru. is there any that you can talk about briefly like sure, i'm going to cut you off briefly no, it's fine. that you're like this experience reminded me of what folks to my left would be sympathetic of and this one was reminded me of what folks on my right would be sympathetic of. Yeah,
1: so I think something in relation to... You know, I don't even know how it would plug in, so let me just tell you the two things that yeah. really stick out to me, and there would be more. Sure. Uh, one was how racism really is a universal thing, mm. and how uh, some of the dynamics that I saw with light-skinned and dark-skinned people, mm. in the middle of the jungle, I found people with lighter skin more hostile towards people with darker skin. Interesting. Uh, I, I'm a photographer, or I used to be before I became a pastor, and I found... Uh, through photography, doing some photography for a young lady who is an aspiring model. That in Lima, Peru, she got less work because she was darker skinned.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Uh, uh, on so that be the, to the left. I obviously. think so. Yeah. To the yeah. to the right would be, um, you know, the way that we talk about police in America and police yeah. corruption. Yep. Uh, man, I think. I think you need to know what policing is like in the rest of the world Mm, so that you just don't let your rhetoric get away from you. Mm,
0: That's good work, brother. it's good work.
1: I had to drive a vehicle 12 hours across Peru because I I almost died a couple of times riding my motorcycle in the jungle. So somebody bought me a truck so that I could go into the villages with safety. And I had to drive this vehicle from one part of the country to the other. We were stopped and solicited for a bribe on four different occasions in one 12-hour journey. Wow! And the last one, the guy that I was with, uh, basically had to, I I wasn't gonna pay the bribe, but he had to, and if he would not have, the police would have arrested us, detained us, impounded our vehicle. Wow! And that's just a normal operating procedure now. That's just the way you do life. Police are here to tax you and to take from you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, yeah, and that is helpful. And the times I've traveled and seen just the abuse of police authority and other, I mean, it's just no. it. We have it much better than we. Oh. We, than we I
1: talked to a brother yeah. in Africa who said yeah. that some some people were talking about how bad these Americans have it, and I know for a fact that the police in his country are fifteen times more. But yeah. that the narrative has been that policing in America is like right. All we do is kill people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so I asked about kind of your cross cultural experiences in disagreeing with folks in a moment, I'm going to ask you about things we disagree on. What are things you and I, so part of the madness of bringing you on here, Sean, is we don't agree on everything, but we do agree on some things and some really important things. The most
1: important things I would say. Okay. So, so
0: what are some things we agree on?
1: Well, I think we, we both agree that that racism is fundamentally a spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. and that if we try to fight it with the weapons of carnal warfare, mm-hmm. uh, we won't get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think that the gospel is the only solution, mm-hmm. and we think that a lack of gospel is the reason why we have this problem in the first place. Right? We think that the local church is going to be absolutely key in fighting this battle. Amen. I think we also agree that... And actually, I'd be interested to hear. This is instinctual. I don't know if it's accurate, so you correct me if it's not. Sure. I think we both agree that race questions shouldn't be central in our lives as Christians, as pastors, even if we have experienced racism and racial trauma, which, by Mm. the way, I have, but I'm not here to tell that story. Sure. Um, That, like, there's a sense in which if we give this too much centrality in in our lives, that it will, in fact... take away from our ability to interact with it in such a way that it can
0: put it to death. Yeah, that's interesting. It's funny. I'm actually, so folks, we didn't rehearse this question before no, we got No, that's on. why we're kind of stumbling Yeah, here. Like we're yeah. like looking at each other like, what are you about to say? Yeah. Uh, I agree with the last thing you said, and the one where I'm like, I would at least have caveats, if not disagreements, and this will sound, this will probably get you in trouble, uh, is the gospel being the only solution. And that sounds really like, isn't this a Christian podcast? I love the gospel. I'm a gospel preacher. I'll come back to that. Okay. Actually, though, I but what you said in us being uh, agreed on the most important things, I just want to not assume anything. I'm going to read this definition of the gospel, and let's just see. Do you agree? Right? This is what my church would say, uh, what we would confess. Uh, The gospel is the joyous declaration that God is redeeming the world through Christ and that he commands everyone everywhere to turn from sin and trust Jesus Christ for salvation. Each of us has sinned against God, breaking his law and rebelling against his rule, and the penalty of our sin for our sin is death and hell. But because of his love, God sent his son Jesus to live for his people's sake, the perfect, obedient life God requires, and to die on the cross in our place for our sin. On the third day, Christ rose bodily from the grave and now reigns in heaven, offering forgiveness, righteousness, resurrection, eternal blessedness in God's presence to everyone who repents of sin and trusts solely in him for salvation. Amen. Agreed. Amen. And okay.
1: and we might even add it to it's something that might be helpful for your fans and that should mean something for the way that we live our daily lives. Amen. Yeah. Yes. A- yes and amen. In relation to living justly and righteously. Yes. Yeah. Amen.
0: Yes. Amen. Um so let's talk about some things we disagree on, Sean. Because what we would say is we agree on that gospel, that doesn't mean we agree on necessarily all the implications of that or just Everything in in life. Right? Well, I think
1: what's interesting about our friendship is that uh, both of us have some kind of platform in addressing these questions, yeah. and yet we've almost never really talked about it. Uh, isn't that interesting? To my one of my points, right? Like this isn't so central in our lives yeah. that like our disagreements have even really come up in our conversations because we're just too busy being shepherds and like when we get together it's like how's your soul how's your church you know not that we wouldn't talk about it we just haven't right we've had ample
0: opportunity uh before i'll come back to the gospel as the only solution thing but you i think you summarize this well, when you were talking about kind of I asked you <laughs> as we were walking. Around, so Sean, what are some things we disagree on? Because we so rarely talk about this. And you what did you say in terms of the kind of Kevin's paradigm? And yeah,
1: so yeah. Yeah. So Kevin DeYoung came out with a very helpful paradigm in an article for the Gospel Coalition last year? The year sometime. before? That? Yeah, yeah, last year. Sometime. Where he we can, basically, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. So yeah. where he basically says you know there's there's kind of this triumvirate from hell attacking the church right now mm. uh race questions covid related questions and politics and and of course you could say well isn't that all politics but right isn't all of life politics but right. you get the point you see what right. he's trying jonathan to do. lehman's not here it's yeah okay. right yeah. so he's trying to parse that out and he's trying to say here is the range of uh of people who profess to be christians and and how they are kind of dealing with these three things mm. and so one would be uh, i think uh, the, uh, how he would want to and he m- might correct me on this but sure. one would be what we would cl- classically call liberals yeah right and then four would be what we would call the fundamentalist right. you know the second level separationist yeah i don't i don't Drink or chew or date girls who do or right. talk to people who talk to people who do that. Right? right. And then the twos and the threes would be in the middle. The twos would be the people who are more sympathetic to right. uh, what might be considered the liberal position, but who are not given over to liberalism. And then the threes are people who are, uh, yeah, cl- more conservative. Yeah. So what I yeah. told people in our churches, we kind of thought through this together and our staff is like, we think one and four we should be discipling our people away from one and four and uh, I'm a three. That's what we talked about. So I said, I'm a three and I probably want my staff to be three and I would like it if all the members of my church could be threes with me, but like it's okay to be a two.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think yeah, I think I appreciate you laying out because it's really hard to lay out, which is why I asked you to lay well,
1: out. Well, I did zero prep, so I'm sure I push it.
0: Well, the only clarification I might add is fours and ones can still be Christians, so mm-hmm. we're not talking just about complete gospel abandon. Sure. liberalism. Yeah, it, although
1: it's possible to be a one and not be a Christian.
0: Correct. Yeah, it's that's possible why to
1: be a four and not be a Christian. Right. Yeah,
0: and the fours might look at the ones and say y'all aren't. Maybe a way to define yeah. it is this: ones look at fours and have serious doubts about their profession of faith, if not doubt it altogether. Yeah, and sure. I would at least argue four certainly look at ones oh, and think
1: that. Absolutely. Well, yeah, three just for a, different reasons. Right, right. Yeah, yeah right. right.
0: Okay. Um, and you said you're a three, it's fine.
1: I ones think- are more inclined to lose the gospel, fours are more inclined to attack their friends. I
0: think, that's what yeah that's what i heard mark yeah. say No, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah no i think that's it i'm i'm only
1: i always invoke mark thinking. when i'm not sure when i'm not confident in what i want to say <laughs> that's right it's
0: usually a safe thing to do brother okay so so what so what are some things we so you said you're a three i think people think i'm three i think i may be a three or a two depending on who i'm talking to and you said that that kind of encapsulates some of our differences. So what are some things we disagree on?
1: Well, I don't know. See, that's the thing. Like, I I, I think a lot of what we do is just kind of this moral intuition. And as I've heard you speak about things and address things, and as I've read articles, uh, my general sense has been that you're more of a 2
0: and which is useful for me to hear. And I think for, yeah, yeah that's right.
1: Yeah. But I think what you just said is really useful as well. You said it, it kind of depends on who you're talking to. Okay. So I just did a debate on the gospel coalition about yeah. woke church and I did it with a, a lot of threes present there with me. Yeah. And their response was, dude, you came out looking like a four. Mm. Now people on the internet, all the angry, that, mo- that most edifying of all the angry people in the comment section, uh, Said that I'm a. i am was very much in the position of a two. So I think it does matter who you're talking. And they were to. attacking you for that. They were attacking they were, me. That, for, that was not uh, a comp, I, they, they were saying that I was compromised. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh,
0: when when, when, were, I think on my on the,
1: worst days, I'm close to being a four. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I, but God's grace keeps me from that. Amen. You know.
0: So okay, let's. Um, so so in that would be maybe, and I don't like the terms wokeness but and maybe that's ones would be woke and fours would be fundamentalist yeah that's right some it's good
1: shorthand word. sure and twos are being called woke and threes are being called fundamentalist by by people on the opposite sides
0: yeah so maybe some disagreements about that would be the extent of wokeness or what is wokeness and what it's not maybe that
1: so like for example do you here, just let's just get real practical sure do you think that uh like for rebecca mclaughlin and her debate uh, in her, her presentation, she said that like, we need to begin with repentance. The white church needs to begin with repentance. Would you agree with that statement?
0: See, I have some, my pastoral filters are like, well, right. The Christian right. life, according to Martin Luther begins, begins with, with repentance. repentance. Right. So I'm like, yes. And amen. Uh, and, but if I'm understanding probably what Rebecca means and Rebecca is a dear friend of mine, I'm probably like, yeah, I could see that in tons of ways. Yeah. And you would disagree with that statement? I'm well,
1: I would say that I'm sure many white people need to repent. In general, I'm not comfortable with the category of putting people under a federal headship of race. I see. Uh, I think theologically it doesn't make sense. Sure. Um, and it actually gets in the way of working towards uh, real repentance. Sure. So let me. I think one thing that's helpful, and sorry, I don't know how you normally do your podcast. No, I don't know no, if I'm this like... Is, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I think uh, one of the things that... One of the reasons why we can how the kind of fellowship we do is because we both trust each other. Right. So it's true. even if you hear me say something like maybe the gospel statement at the beginning, or right. maybe you'd, somebody wouldn't agree with me, what I just said just now, right. you probably trust that the the reason why I hold that position is
0: because I care so much yeah. about racial healing. Yeah. Right. That is very much true. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have invited you on the show if you didn't care about it. I would not have had I'd you
1: have... come and preach in my church if I didn't trust right. you.
0: Right. Exactly. And so, um and i think there's a weird way and i think this is some of mark's discipling on us both but i think there's a weird way where i'm like kind of when i hear something i disagree on i'm like well how'd that person get there because i bet if i got in the same car i'd drive to the same location like okay i can like what you just said about federal headship i'm like well i agree with that too so um so but so this doesn't just sound like both sides ism let me grab something no yeah and I, I'm not saying you were doing that, No, but, but just no. like, so folks are like, so do y'all actually disagree? If there's
1: anybody hate listening to this right now.
0: <laughs> well, Austin said that phrase earlier and yeah. I've never used it yeah. or heard it, but also Austin actually interfaces with our yeah. haters and but prays for them. Th- and This is one of the reasons why
1: it's important to have these conversations in the context of real relationships yeah. where there's real brotherly love is because when you have these disagreements, you can walk away feeling like, man, we're not. That far apart.
0: Even if people listening in like, on that conversation were like, man, they said they disagree, but do they? Right. Well, yeah. and it's funny because I think people would look at the articles I've written or the things you've written or said publicly and be like, Isaac and Sean are on different planets. Or at least yeah. they don't agree. Sure. And they're Maybe probably not continents. friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different continents. Which is long distance. But okay, the gospel being, I think you said the only solution. And what I would say, and we have an article about this that I think Austin wrote that we can put in the... Uh, the footnotes is i would certainly say primary and let me hear the gospel is romans 1 16. it's the power of god for salvation but i also think and i think you would agree with this but tell me if you don't. while i don't think i don't understand laws to change the heart obviously and romans is clear on that i understand laws to be really helpful and useful in restraining evil and so i when i hear cats say And it kind of of gets back to how we hear things and how we talk to things, right? But when I hear cats say, well, just preach the gospel, right? Which is how I hear that statement. Now, maybe that's just me and my own weakness and assumptions. What I hear is ignore the very real realities of law, uh, ironically, of law and order, of just laws and ignoring those things, ignoring kind of the politics of it, if you will, and just preach to the heart as if... There weren't professing Christians who owned slaves, as if, uh, you know, just opening my Bible and saying this will impact uh, the ordering of society necessarily. And I think it does, like, hear me, I think a gospel preaching church is needed in every neighborhood. I think that will have huge implications for that neighborhood's health over time. I think a neighborhood without a gospel preaching church is in grave danger, right? So I'm there. But when I'm with the just preach the gospel thing, uh, it effectively ignores other important. I, I feel. I feel like people who who hold to that ignore the importance of working for just laws. Ignore other realities that say, "Well, if you just preach the gospel, it'll fix all this." When I just went I'm asking the question, then why hasn't it been fixed? We've been, and I'm not a post millennialist expecting it all to be fixed, but I'm like clearly there are other things there's a reason king marched i guess is a way to sum it up and didn't just preach and i don't take issue with king marching i actually think that was a good thing for the betterment of our country which i think is you know still woefully sinful and all these things thoughts on that do you agree with that yeah oh man you said a lot so i did i'm sorry no,
1: no no you're fine man preachers gonna preach right I have a I have a political philosophy that might make me that might kind of exclude me from this conversation uh, entirely. It kind of excludes me from conversations with people on my right okay. who want Christians pr- to pursue political action about their own uh, pet issues. Sure. And I, I I don't think that Christians should really be pursuing those kinds of actions uh, on for this thing or that thing. But let me just say this: I don't uh, believe in just preach the gospel.
0: Okay. And I think. I don't think
1: anybody hate
0: listeners just got real excited. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't think anybody actually, well, they certainly don't live like that. Right. It's kind of like when you're talking with an atheist and they say they don't believe in metaphysics and they use the word metaphysics i mean Mm -hmm. they use the word believe right yeah uh it's impossible to escape that aspect of our existence right right like um and so uh, i don't believe anybody really believes that i think you can just look at the great commission right teach them to obey right
0: yeah that's where i yeah. Yeah. yeah so
1: um the the gospel should always result in us with uh, living just and righteous lives. Now, how the church should pursue justice and righteousness in the world, I think that's an interesting question. My biblical theology, the way I understand the story of the Bible to unfold, Mm. I think there should be significant discontinuity between the Old Testament people of God and the New Testament people of God, particularly as it relates to politics. Mm. In the Old Testament, you see Israel as a theocratic nation. That Mm. is, they are uh, ethnically, politically, and spiritually unified. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, the politics and the ethnicity fall away. We mm-hmm. no longer have a king, right? Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and now there's people, one people from every
1: people. That's right, yeah. yeah. So, the, the race aspect falls away. Um, and then, so we're, we're now this spiritual people. And I think that's the reason why in the New Testament, you see zero language, like you see in the Old Testament, talking about... Uh, the way that you're supposed to pursue justice and righteousness in society. I think mm. you see a transformation of we're supposed to, as Christians, go live out justice and righteousness, understanding that that will affect the society, but not necessarily mandating the way that it must affect society. Mm, so and then we can talk about like the church gathered versus the church scattered. Right, 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 I right. think one of the disagreements that I have with a lot of twos and ones is they want the church gathered to do things that I think only the church scattered is called to do as God providentially places you.
0: And just so we clarify, by church gathered you mean the you mean church on Sunday, effectively. You mean Yeah. So I mean, don't think
1: Sixth Avenue Community Church where I pastor yeah. um needs to either be uh as As an entailment of obedience in Christian discipleship, pursuing specific political policies for racial causes, for abortion causes well let, just, just stick with those
0: two right Yes, because that's, that's enough where, right yes, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, whereas I think as we scatter, and the Lord has providentially placed us, yeah. Uh, wherever he has placed us, we are called to to exhibit and pursue justice and righteousness. Yeah,
0: yeah. in your individual co- capacity as a Christian.
1: Yeah, so yeah. like Austin here, I, who I don't know very well, but the more I talk to him, the more I like him. There's something about his pheromones. It's funny,
0: I have the opposite experience. Yeah, right. uh,
1: you know, um, he is pursuing racial reconciliation mm-hmm. as an individual Christian. Mm-hmm. The Lord has given him a particular experience, a particular set of giftings, yeah. specific opportunities, yeah. and specific burdens, yeah. right? Um, and so I think he's doing something that if we were to ask the church itself, in with qualified language, yeah. to do that, I think it would be outside of the purview of the
0: church's mission. Right, got it. Okay. Got it. And I agree with that. Yeah. So, I, so then I think that's a useful... Well, I think, but I think it's a useful exercise. Cause if I walked away, just thinking, Sean just said, just preach the gospel. He's someone who doesn't really care about repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, Because then we would have done ourselves a disservice yeah. and I just would have come up with narratives in my mind that aren't true, but it takes some work to get there. Yeah. And we probably do still have shades of disagreement on that statement or I'm whatever. Sure. Yeah. But let me go to another statement I heard you make. And I'm actually just going to let you talk for a while so that heavy lunch I'll just take a nap while you talk.
1: Your your listeners will not thank you for that. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) I heard you give a short address, and I was wondering if you could share your remarks and we could talk about them.
1: So uh, one quick qualifying mark. I wrote this. Should I explain why I wrote it first, or are we going to talk about that afterwards?
0: I'm not sure why you wrote it, so go ahead and explain. I wrote this
1: because as I have been critiquing uh, publicly through my podcast and, and through other avenues, uh, wokeness. And I know that that
0: term is controversial. Sure.
1: I use it as a uh, kind of popular shorthand for critical theory and all of
0: its various manifestations. And you mean that beyond critical race theory just for the, yeah,
1: yeah. sorry. That's actually really helpful. Critical yeah. theory is itself a worldview and then it gloms on parasitically to various fields. So you remove race and it's critical theory, you add race uh, gay and lesbian studies turned into queer theory, uh, education studies turned into critical pedagogy. Got it. So it's kind of this thing that exists and then goes and gloms onto other things and makes it its own.
0: Got it. That is helpful. And just one interjection, maybe so our listeners can understand, cause I think you maybe just summed up our difference as well, Where you, whereas you had not fundamentally, but primarily no small part of your, your ministry has been critiquing wokeness. My non-church ministry. Not in Your non-church ministry.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I would say yeah. You're probably right.
0: Well, at yeah. least louder emphasis. You've, you've That's just, probably what I'm more known for. You're probably yeah. what you're, and yeah. I. I'm sure people would look at me and say I critique more to my right, and you critique more to your left, which is probably why friends would look at us and be like,
1: "Hmm." Well, having said that, yeah. the reason the reason why I wrote this and we even recorded an episode in our podcast where we did this for an hour instead of five minutes, sure, is because the way that some people who agree with me in my critique of the left, yeah. Have responded in a way that I think is unbecoming of the gospel. Okay. Thank so you. you know they've been like, yeah, you get them, and I'm like, whoa. It reminds me when I was at out doing ministry outside of an abortion clinic, mm-hmm. and I was trying to evangelize one of the uh, the death escorts. Right, mm-hmm. that's their job. They're they're like volunteers for the other side, and they try to protect people from us preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to evangelize this lady, and one of the other abortion. Uh, supposed, you know, so-called evangelist came up behind me and she started putting her finger in the lady's face and she was saying and and Trump's gonna come and shut this place down and and God's gonna rain the thunder down you know just mm. all this madness mm. and and I think she thought like yeah, we're really showing her and I was like, whoa hold up now that's yeah. that's not what I'm doing yeah okay yeah. so just because yeah. we hold the same view that abortion is evil, the way that you are opposing abortion makes me feel like we're not exactly on the same team yeah and the yeah. same thing is true I think you can oppose wokeness in such a way that will make me say, I don't know that we're really on the same team. Yeah. And soon enough, they actually end up saying that about me anyway. So. Right.
0: Well, it's funny. I would say I have the exact same experience just from my, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like critiquing the fundamental, but like, I'm just not down with how far you've gone yeah. or the manner in which you're yeah. going. Yeah. Go, so, so yeah, here so we go. So you wrote this, So that led yeah, you to so write this, this statement. Go yeah. Ahead. This was, yeah, I'm this just was let, just read it.
1: Yeah. This was, uh, mainly intended for people thinking well along ministry lines. Sure. So I'll just dive into it. So speaking of Martin Luther, John Calvin had this to say about his co-laborer in the gospel. Quote, "...consider how great a man Luther is and what excellent gifts he has, the strength of mind and resolute constancy." the skill, efficiency, and theological power he has used in devoting all his energies to overthrowing the reign of the Antichrist, and he was referring to the papacy, and to spread far and near the teaching of salvation, I have often said that even if he called me a devil, I would still regard him as an outstanding servant of God. And yet, later writing to Booser, Calvin wrote these words about Martin Luther, I reverence Luther, but I am ashamed of him. Now, why was Calvin ashamed of Luther? Well, let's let him speak for himself. Because of his craving for victory, his haughty manner, his abusive language, and his insolent fury. In other words, Calvin saw that although Luther was a mighty warrior for the gospel, he also acted in ways unbecoming of a Christian soldier, even a soldier in the midst of battle. Well, I find myself growing increasingly concerned, if not outright ashamed of, some of my fellow gospel soldiers, particularly in relation to conversations about wokeness. I think one of the main reasons why some of my brothers in Christ are getting so nasty over this stuff is because they overestimate the danger of wokeness. Now, let me be clear. I do believe that critical theory is the ascendant worldview in the West and that it stands in direct competition with and in contradiction to Christianity. Having said that, We would do well to remember that wokeness is just the newest detritus to wash up onto the shores of evangelicalism. To be even clear, I'm not even saying that wokeness, which aims to tear down Christianity in particular, and Western culture in general, is not worse by degree than some other threats to the church, but I am saying that when it comes to the gospel, there's always an enemy at the gates. Satan is always scheming to invade the church and undermine the gospel. And so it seems fitting here to quote from one of the greatest movies ever made, Men in Black. Agent K, speaking to Agent J, says, "There's always an Archelian battle cruiser or a Karelian death ray, or an intergalactic plague that is about to wipe out all of life on this miserable little planet." Over the last two millennia, the church has had to contend with many Archelian battle cruisers and Karelian death rays and intergalactic plagues. Consider the threats of Gnosticism for the first several hundred years of the church, and then Arianism for the next 400 years, and then medieval Roman Catholicism for a solid thousand years of darkness. And the list could just go on and on. And if the Lord tarries, we will have to contend with many more threats just like these or perhaps even worse. Moreover, I'm not even convinced that wokeness is even the most significant threat to the gospel in our own day. I can think of two other issues plaguing evangelicalism that are far more threatening to the gospel because they are far more insidious. That is, they're with us and we don't even know it. Issues like pragmatism and multiplying missions movements. Wokeness is dangerous, but at least it's obviously dangerous. The danger of pragmatism, for example, lives in the house with us. It dresses up in our clothes, it speaks our language, it presents itself as an angel of light when in fact it is a demon that works death and destruction in the church, inoculating the nations to the gospel. Mike Tyson once said that the punch that hurts the most is the one that you don't see coming. And the greatest threat to the church is the one that the church is largely unaware of. And friends, the church is painfully aware of wokeness. So listen, we don't want to underestimate or overestimate the danger of wokeness. If we do, we will not respond appropriately. Rather, we want to rightly estimate the danger so that we can respond accordingly. So what does an appropriate response look like? Well, Paul has already told us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will.
0: Brother, thank you so much for writing that, sharing it multiple times. Um, Sean Siri just thanked us. Um, she said, "No problem." She said no problem.": <laughs> You're welcome. Um, a couple of thoughts, right off the bat. Uh, you're wrong about men in black. I think that movie was weird and it creeped me out as a kid, but the illustration's really good and accurate. No, more seriously, man. So when I heard you make this statement, and part of the reason I wanted you on here, is, well one reason I want you on here, we were talking about is, twos and threes, we need to stick together. And, and
1: part of that even means like trying to persuade each other yeah you know? right and yeah. let's like let's lean on what yeah. you mean
0: by that and but you made an interesting comment about fours like they're just bombarding like what did you say they're
1: okay. i've been a, being attacked by
0: fours yeah you're being attacked by fours and because they're in some senses the loudest yeah or at least in our at least four, in my world yeah. yeah at least in yeah your world it can just seem like the twos and threes are disparate and yeah. like yeah we're just not and so that was one reason a second reason though man is After you made that statement, if I can be honest, just be a Christian, I was surprised by the statement. It was not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to get up there and say, wokeness is the biggest problem. Mm -hmm. And so for kind of context, Sean and I were at a conference and we were sitting very close to each other all week uh, because they're, yeah. Um, And I... We had heard some other presentations and things, and you know, one was what I felt like more sympathetic and representative of the right's concerns, which kind of ruffled my feathers, but you know, I'm trying to be a thoughtful Christian and listen to the concerns of my brothers in Christ. And I thought you were getting up there to kind of yes and amen it, or at least just kind of double down on it, and you didn't do that, which in my heart did a world of good to be like, okay, My brother might disagree with me on some things but he sees the very real problems that i also see that really discourage me frankly frankly the craziness i'll just say of the fours that and i'm not saying the ones don't have any crazy at all and like i'm sure i do well to do what you did which is critique those closer to my own side but it was so refreshing sean like so like thank you someone is willing to name call it what it is and say it about maybe even their own friends. And I just want to commend you for that, brother. Yeah. Thanks, so man. and I mean it's not a mark of
1: courage to correct people that are obviously on the other team. You know. Yeah. So when I when I'm correcting what I think is uh, the ones I mean I don't think that requires any kind of moral courage, Sure. right? But to take people who are in your camp, people who are in my
0: church, yeah,
1: who are saying things on the internet, who are saying things in personal conversations that I think are are dangerous I'm not saying that I am morally brave but I'm saying it's a little bit it, it, if you're gonna be a, if you're gonna be a faithful Christian leader you got to have whatever that tool is in your tool belt or you're only gonna be a one-directional leader
0: and Jesus was not a one-directional leader amen amen that's well said yeah I think I saw Jared Wilson sum it up this way the easiest sins to preach against are the sins of no one in the room mm. yeah. So it's like we can all just call it out and it, it just turns into red meat for the crowd because yeah, cool. it's like that lady you know at the abortion clinic, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's like, actually, I'm talking about you. Yeah.
1: Right. Insert um, Paul Washer meme. Right. Also, make sure you link that at the bottom.
0: <laughs> but what I also think is instructive about the words you provided were that was Calvin and Luther, like two. Two monoliths, two pillars. And we have one article on United We Pray, uh, written by, again by Austin, uh, which he, you know, highlights a lot of Luther's great achievements. And he also makes clear Luther was a jerk mm. in a lot of ways. And that's what Calvin's effectively say. Yeah. Brilliant. I don't commend him in his in his manner. Mm-hmm. And manner matters. And so... I just think that's really represent, I think that's useful for us to see here. We had two of the greatest minds, probably unbeknownst to them in church history, and they're having the same kind of concerns about manner and tone and difference, the very different issues that are leading us to have this conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that people have wanted to, use as ammunition against me as Calvin's quote about how you have to have one voice for the sheep and another voice for the wolves. Mm-hmm. And they, they'll they say, well, you see, uh, that means that we need to be nasty with people. But the same Calvin who said that is the one who said he was ashamed of Luther.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that Calvin was a pastor.
1: Yeah. You know, right. he, he, he's able to hold those things in, in, yeah. in a little bit of tension there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah so I agree with John, <laughs> calvin if i may, john i just call him your john. boy john yeah my boy john i think he's uh, Jean, but yes. Yes. yeah yeah. I, I agree with him that we need to have one voice for the sheep and one voice for the wolves what i'm finding is that people are upset with me because they want me to call people wolves who i don't think are wolves right there is a kind of theological triage that is uh not happening with people to my right uh where they think if anybody has been even a, a little bit influenced by wokeness that um that they are woke. But we don't do that with all kinds of different issues. We understand that someone may be slightly influenced by the prosperity gospel, but not be wholly given over to it. I mean, even they will make uh, nuanced arguments for the reasons why uh, Jonathan Edwards owned slaves. Yeah. Right. Or at least the one that we know of. Yeah. And, and yet they can't make room for Rebecca McLaughlin, for example, to hold a view of race that I think is wrong but it's not heretically wrong, right? That we have this category of, you know, we could do the one through four thing with yeah. theological beliefs, right? right? I think it's slightly heterodox. I think it confuses the nature of repentance. Yeah. But to be wrong in that one way does not mean that she has been wholly given over. And so what they want me to do is they want me to call her a wolf and I'm not going to do that. And I told her that before. And after the debate, I went back and I watched it again just to make sure. And she said stuff I disagree with, but she didn't say anything heretical. So I'm not going to call her a wolf. Just like, and here's going to, sorry, let me wrap this little rant up, uh, in the same way that we want to protect the word racist so that it actually means something when we use it. Yeah. We need to protect the word wolf or the word heretic. Oh, that's good. So that it actually means something when we use it. If anybody that you just disagree with is a heretic, mm-hmm. you know, no.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, man, that's helpful just on so many fronts. Because again, I bet I, I've not watched uh, I've not watched you and Rebecca's debate. And I'm sure I probably agree with most of... I'd probably leave that degree being, debate being like i'm on rebecca's side on the thing she said but
1: just a number of my friends have have walked away from it
0: thinking that yeah yeah yeah. but i love you both and that's where i'm just like i guess one thing maybe to wrap this up and land this plane is well i actually have one more question but uh (laughs) you know i you said to me at lunch i'm just trying to do things that lend toward unity right now in my ministry. Yeah. Can you yeah. just yeah. thought, like, like, what do you
1: mean? Yeah, like, there's a shift in that right now. Well, cause I think unity really, really matters. I don't think that that's a liberal talking point. Right. It's just a clear command of scripture. So may, if I may, Please. I figured we were going to get here. Right. So Ephesians four, I'm sure you guys have read this a number of times on this podcast. Right. But, um, part of walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, which means walking in line with the gospel, right? Paul says, with all humility and gentleness, mm. right? With patience, bearing with one another in love. And I love how it doesn't say only this party needs to bear with that party, right? Mm-hmm. We always need to bear with one, one another. another. There's always going to be a time. And yeah. if there hasn't been a time where someone's had to bear with you, you're, uh, you're either naive or it's still coming, right? <laughs> bearing with one another in love, eager, to maintain the unity of the spirit, and uh, you know the the Greek behind that yeah. is like it's a picture of someone wrestling, yeah. right? And it's a if you've ever wrestled before, it's a grind, yeah. right? It's not easy to bear with people to maintain the patience when you want to just rip somebody's head off and freak out on them, right? So um, in my Christian walk so far, I, thus far, I haven't felt. Such a strong attack on you uh, on the unity of of the
0: gospel as I feel right now agreed that was the burden in starting this show okay yeah, so
1: because i've I've my sort of pastoral and remember I'm a pastor first, right? right so because my pastoral antennas have been sending me this feedback, I felt like I just need to respond to that threat
0: I see you yeah. know yep, yeah no, that makes sense, brother so to close this out before we pray because that's what we what we we understand the thing you just read united. <laughs> Uh, The thing you just read uh, is fundamentally supernatural work. You can only do it if you've been supernaturally changed. Um, You said some things. I guess it was refreshing because I was like, here's someone to my right saying some stuff I wish someone on the right would say to the right. And I guess my question for you is, Sean, what would would you want to hear, let's just say me, Say to folks to my left, to our left. Mm, yeah, what would be refreshing yeah. in that regard for you?
1: Yeah, and first, let me also say that I'm I'm saying these things not to pander to my left. I'm just saying them because I think they need to. Be. I'm not. You're, you're right. not. I'm not. Right. I don't think that you're saying that. Right. But for anybody who's listening, who may be inclined to think that, yeah. I just want you to like my conscience is clear before the Lord. I don't listen, I have a church that loves me, elders who support me, you know, I I got all, I don't, my family loves me, I'm accepted by Christ, you know? Like, I don't need to pander to people to my left. I'm only saying this because I think it needs to be said, right? Um, What do I wish, like, people like you would say to people to your left? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or people to my right, I mean. No, I
1: I I mean, yeah, I think the first one is the most interesting. Uh, I... I want for a more robust sufficiency of scripture to be present among people to the left. Now, I understand that that can be a caricature. So one of the things that Austin said earlier about uh, the de Young paradigm is that um, if you believe... We were talking before the episode. Yes, yes. If you believe more in like the means of common grace that can bump you down the scale from like a three to a two or from a two to a one... um, I would have to think more about that. But when I say the sufficiency of scripture, I mean something like uh, Thomas Schreiner just came out with an article recently. I just call him Tom, yeah. but for you guys, <laughs> Thomas Schreiner. Thomas Schreiner. Right? He he came out with an article recently where he he said like uh, having conversations about uh, complementarian stuff, There's there's a lot more history and sociology being thrown around than Bible. You know what I'm saying? And I found that to be true, whether we're talking about questions of sex, gender, sexuality, or race. I think all of that's kind of bound up together right now. And so when I when I say sufficiency of Scripture, I don't mean that if you ever use any resource outside of the Bible to work towards a solution, that you've compromised the sufficiency of Scripture.
0: Which is very much what some, which sure. at least the fours are saying
1: yeah. in terms of sufficiency of Scripture. Sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. But what I
1: just mean is. I want it to be the biggest, most powerful, most often used tool in your tool belt, right? Every other tool in your tool belt is a tool that somehow should plug into the sufficiency of Scripture, right? It should reinforce it. It should, it should be um, like, you know, uh, they have these in big buildings, these signal boosters right? And so that if you don't get reception in the building, they put a signal booster in, it takes the signal that's out there and it amplifies it. Whereas it feels like some people go, okay, well for this, I'm going to pull out my Bible, but now for this, I'm going to pull, pull out history. And for this, I'm going to pull out sociology. I think you need to have a Swiss army knife and the, the knife, the, the body of it is the scri- scripture and anything else is only furthering to advance the scriptural point of view.
0: That's really helpful, brother. I appreciate the challenge. All right, man, so much more we could talk about because I would love to talk about the sufficiency of scripture point, but Austin's written like 15 good articles about it. So folks can read those. Um, I love you. I respect you. I appreciate you. Um, Wouldn't watch Men in Black with you, but... uh, the bugs creep me out like,
1: the like, talking cockroaches yeah I was just like, that's just, dude. dude tommy lee jones and will smith together in an action in a summer blockbuster come on man it's that and then we're gonna watch there will be blood right after oh man. just to take a hard left turn
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay well there's another turn we can take and that's to prayer so you're the guest uh i'd love for you to pray first about you grab anything from this that is burdening you Pray to the Lord, and I'll pray and close this out. Anything else you want to share or talk about, man? I think those were all my questions for you. Uh,
1: Man, you said something as we pulled up that I thought might be worth talking about. It's, it has to do with prayer not being the same thing as doing nothing. Oh, yes. In relation to the conversations surrounding Yeah,
0: it. sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I think some folks would look at the ministry of United We Pray, and I think this would be more twos and ones, and see us as a ministry of inaction.
1: Even though you've just said we need to preach the gospel and act.
0: I'm just saying what yeah, people would perceive That's how people as. perceive yeah. it. Yeah. Because I say, you know, and I just fundamentally disagree with the, uh, I just reject the idea that prayer is inaction, mm. to put it flatly. I think we what we say on the show is we must do more than pray, but we cannot do less. And I think a lot of people in prayerless, self-reliant strength are trying to do more without doing the very basic thing. I also think the more you read history and sociology and theology and Christian history, and the more you learn about the mount, the more you read about racial injustices and the history behind them, the more you see, we are, at the, we are not at a foothill, we're at the foot of Everest. It's a mountain. You can't scale this thing in your own strength. They're Sherpas for a reason. And you just read any book about scaling Everest into thin air, it's life-threatening. And, but Jesus told us what to do with mountains. Ask me, and you can throw it into the sea. And so, you know, I'm challenged by people who say do more. I wanna do more in my individual capacity. But man, have you ever tried to pray for the same thing for a long time? It's really hard. This is why we have Luke 18. Jesus, and it's a parable about justice. He said, I'm giving them this parable so that you may not lose heart and that you might keep praying. He doesn't say, so you can just go do all the justice work, though Jesus would have us do justice work. Matthew 23, super clear. Y'all have rejected the weightier matters of the law justice, faithfulness, love, mercy. And yet, we should pray. I'm just like, this is a Christian podcast. We're trying to pray and do one thing. And yes, we major on it because I'm with you on Church Scattered versus Church Gathered, but every Christian should pray. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying every Christian has to pray about this every day, but every Christian, wherever you are on at on the spectrum should pray. So I was trying to grab one flag and plant it in the ground because I also agree about unity and uh, at least in my lifetime, it being the most disunified time. And we, and we could have, I'm sure, another much inter, uh, another long conversation about social media and the prevalence of seeing people's opinions and things like that. Well, and I'm trying to say, let's rally around this flag. Let's start at right here. And then we can think a lot better and probably do a lot more good work if we do a bit of thinking and a lot of praying.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jesus prioritized prayer over action in his ministry. Often, he would yep. stop what he was doing in his works of redemptive acts, mm-hmm. and he would say, "Hey, I gotta. Prayer's more important than this right now." Yeah, uh, and I think you know, the more time you spend married or as a parent or even pastoring a church, the more sense this idea makes. You go out and you work and you strive and you labor and you try to make changes, and time and time again. It doesn't happen the way you want it to. Yes, and right. you are frustrated and you're confused and you're wrestling with feelings of doubt and uh and in those moments you feel like, What am I what am I even doing? You know, like is this even and uh in those moments the Lord shows you like when you feel like you can't do
0: anything, remember I am your God and I can do anything. Mm-hmm. So like come to me. With me, all things are possible. And yeah, just as a pastor, I'm just like the moments i read this i finished a long obedience in the same direction recently and eugene Peterson had this reflection he was talking about how his work has been scripture prayer like one word the work of scripture and the work of prayer he's like i'm not competent or capable to form christ in someone else this is fundamentally supernatural work and anytime i tried to do tried to do it and kind of get in the i just got in the way i really i just meddled and I fear that there's a whole lot of meddling going on, and that's why we're at each other's throats versus at each other's sides. Even, even
1: just something as simple as what we probably say to our members all the time, it's hard to gossip about another church member if you're praying with them right. or praying for them. Right. Right. You know, it's hard to be angry with a black or white brother or sister about race problems if you're actually like in the trenches with them in prayer. Right,
0: right. Yeah. That's right, man. Yeah. So we're in the trench. Will you pray, yeah. and then I'll pray. Yeah, buddy. Thank you, man, for coming.
1: Lord God, we come before you um, humbled to the dust. The most important thing about us uh, is that we have been chosen by you, called effectually by your grace. We've been purchased by your son. We've been sealed by your spirit. And Lord, one day we will all be at home together with you. So Lord, we pray for all those who know you who are listening to this podcast, that they would be encouraged, uh, that they would see that Satan is not winning, even if it feels like he is. Uh, that's not even a possibility. The unity of the church that has been purchased by your Son cannot be destroyed, uh, because you are sovereignly protecting it. Nevertheless, Lord, you call us in your sovereignty to, to action, and uh, our action is divinely superintended by you. This is part of the good works that you have saved us for, and the good works that you prepared for us in eternity's past. And so uh, whatever kind of spiritual fruit has come from this conversation, we pray that it'll be a model for other Christians trying to have similar conversations. Uh, and we pray God that you would give grace to those who are trying to, uh, love one another through difficult times, difficult conversations, disagreements. Um, yeah, God, we pray that, uh, for the various ways that, um, Christians can threaten the gospel by their dispositions, we pray that you would uh, sanctify them. We pray that for those who are inclined to uh, not really stand on your word in all things, that you would help them to see that if they don't begin with your word and continue in your word and finish with your word by the power of your spirit, that there is no hope for any of this. And for those who are... uh, maybe pretending to stand on your word, even though they just stand on the traditions of men and, and political philosophers and, and their own ideas and their own culture and custom and tradition. We pray that you would rebuke them, Lord, and show them the error of their ways. Uh, God, we know that we have unity. Even if it doesn't feel like it, would you allow us um, little moments where where that unity shines through, big moments where that unity shines through, where we can really perceive our love for one another and the things that we have in common. We are one. We are one in the body of Christ, one because we share the same spirit. And one day we will be unified in heaven as we're folded into your glory. So help us, God, to have eyes of
0: faith as we uh, wait for that day. Amen. Amen. Father, we pray to you as our one father. I thank you that me and Austin and Sean and Rebecca are in the same family. And we confess that too often our, the brothers and sisters, the kids in this family have been fighting in ways that do not please you, that grieve your spirit. We confess ways. We have been not eager to maintain the unity of the spirit, but we've been eager to assume Eager to doubt, eager to be suspicious, eager to be despairing. Father, we, I confess, we've been afraid at times to say the things that need to be said to the people who need to hear them. And Lord, I thank you for the courage and clarity you gave Sean to say some things that need to be said. Father, I pray united we pray would be characterized more by things that need to be said that all of us in our churches in our lives would be characterized by things that need to be said and when we hear things that need to be said lord we would process them and repent father we pray uh, that we would embody second timothy two twenty four more in our conversations that we really would be kind to everyone, that we really would be truthful, that we really would stand upon your word. So, Father, even with folks uh, with whom we have disagreements, give us the strength and the will and the desire to love them, to outlove them, to outdo them in showing honor. Father, I thank you for the ways my brother has educated me, and Lord, we thank you most of all for something we talked about earlier, That's sweet grace. Lord, that grace is not just real, it's not just important, but that it's sweet. We praise you for the grace we know in Jesus, and we pray that we would live in a manner consistent of it. And our conversations about really hard and really important things that our sin and our ancestors' sins have made a whole mess of. So, Lord, we look to you to untangle the knot, because we just don't have the wisdom the moral acuity to do that but we want to be your agents in whatever way you would use us we ask this in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen amen sean thank you for coming on the show bro super glad really glad to have you uh folks uh you can see more resources sounds like there's gonna be a whole bibliography in the footnotes um but if you want even more than that you can head to ubpray.com the letter u w e p r a y dot com grace and peace